0: It has been a while crocodile
1: <laughs> i have no idea how long it's been it's been ages
0: it's been ages it feels like two ages uh, two ages mm, that's about <laughs> right um yeah what can we say what can we say about the delay i've sort of run out of excuses now and um but it's all COVID. it's all just covid related yeah the rest of the world is sort of over it and we're, we're just beginning our journey it has been pretty crazy you know, there's been a lot going on. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, try and make light of it. Um But I think, uh, you know, I think we could have sustained a more regular podcast throughout the COVID everything. It's just uh to be quite honest. It's been like, I don't think I've ever been this busy in my life. I think I might've taken on just a little too much and uh, you know, I'm just sort of trying to get out of it. I think you've and, had as uh,
1: much holidays as me, like four
0: days, <laughs> four days and I made it count. I went camping. And that's enough. Four days of nature. And I was like screaming to get back again. I was just like, my kids were like, we're over. No more holidays, <laughs> it's like sleeping on the floor. <laughs> it's like, why would anyone? why would we want to go to a holiday? This is like, we are yeah, must go camping.
1: You just go glamping.
0: Yeah, we went glamping. That's still good. camping for us. Yeah. So you, I mean, you take a heater and you take a okay. blow up mattress. You take a hairdryer dryer well, you we take had a, lights. We had a, yeah, we had a blow up mattress. Um, what else we didn't we had a powered side but we didn't actually plug the thing in okay. uh, so it actually ended up being quite quite rootsy you know back to back to earth definitely yeah. felt the connection to the soil afterwards and uh uh oh, just it was a mission it was a mission i was glad anyway so but it was good it was it's a good thing for us to do when we got a short amount of time to do something because it just yeah. definitely fills the tank you know you know you did something Definitely feel the bruises, you know, it was there, <laughs> and uh, you're sort of glad to get back at it. So, anyway, but th- that, and then we've just been sort of scrambling and doing everything and getting back on top of things. And then, um, have you been sick yet? Have you had COVID yet? Nope, nice. I think we're uh, well, Jad, I can't get it. Joking, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I mean, I suppose one of the things, um, that uh, you know i haven't just uh, just to let people know um i would love to keep going and we, it's not like we're we're just phasing out or something it's it's just life we have to keep doing this in a sustainable way and, and i think probably one of the things that's added to the the lackadaisical sort of approach here is that uh, andre has been taking extended leave and so to yeah. get him back on the map which is sort of <laughs> mentally i've been putting that uh on the back burner as well but i think uh, one of the things let me just say i am quite excited to think about doing maybe we'll see how this goes is um oh firstly ah oh, forgot to bring it dang I got your 2H so generating oh it, nice. it arrived it wasn't nice. as it didn't not as cool as I thought it would be so that was a bit of a bummer but it was cheap it was from China so wasn't expecting much but it's got the cool little s thing it's not engraved it's, it's the thought that counts yeah exactly anyway so we we're thinking about you know, prototyping that for for the two edge so maybe do a few giveaways and that sort of thing but anyway we'll see how it goes i'll let you make a call on that one uh, i got the black one the black one with it has got like this kind of tan print of the of the s of the two edge so you know, on the black that's nice. pretty cool but uh i think it's not gonna last that long so <laughs> you know we might need <laughs> something else um so you know we want to get back uh, on track with all that uh just pick it up as we go but the other thing was um I did have this like real thing that I wanted to do during the, the, the not during the four day holiday, but just in between all the other craziness is I wanted to add, um, we did used to do philosophy Friday and, you know, I think something like that. Uh, just we just had something whole, every day of the week, right? Yeah. We, we did a whole lot of stuff, just trialing <laughs> where we want to go. We had our, our bout in the Christian classics, which was fun as well. Um, and you know I want to try and bring some of that I feel like constantly I want to go in that direction a little bit which is not not, it has a link to theology and that it always ultimately is going to get interpreted through this lens but um I want to look at some I want to just broaden out a little bit and think about like all sorts of things like and and when I was thinking and then I was just like how can we do that what's a good way for us to you know approach that and uh and then I realized that looks good yeah, you've got the the Western canon, we could just go through the Western canon of literature. Whoa. You know, the great books, the great books. Dude, of course.
1: Let me tell you what I've just finished. I've just finished Jean uh, Gene Veth Jean Gene Edwards Veth It's called um, Let the Reader Understand or something like that.
0: So ah. he, was a, he was a professor of literature. Yes, I think I've actually I think I might actually know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's called Reading Between the Lines.
0: Yes, I know that book. Yeah. What is it about?
1: So basically, it's uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read you Reading the, uh, the hang on. That's, that's <laughs> it. starting to read it to me again. Here's the title <laughs> details. Okay, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Because I mean, it, it, it looks at literature. Yeah. It says this is a guidebook for those who want to learn how to recognize books that are spiritually and aesthetically good to cultivate nice. good lit- literary taste.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and so what he does is he just looks at a whole sampling, and so well, he looks at, yeah, you know, like how do you as a Christian how do you approach blasphemy in literature? Mm. How do you approach violence in literature? How do you approach mm. you know watching nude scenes and people having sex on film? And you know, so yeah. he's got like a whole theological approach to, yes, you know, Christians engaging with art and literature and trying to spot good literature versus bad, and then, and then he he also comments on the Western canon,
0: again well, there we go. And, and, you know, so I suppose you, you can approach it. And I think the the pause for us and we we experienced a little bit this of this when we looked at the um, some of the patristic sort of literature and early early church and, and uh, going through some classic compilation or something like that is that you, you know, you realize you're completely out of your depth, you're not a specialist. And you know, so why on earth are we talking about it? But and so this is the, the thing I've I've always struggled with, why, why would you ever bring it on to this, but, but as I've started to think about it, um. I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced it's a necessary part of the two age thing. You know, it is it is the the thing. You know, we've only got the one age in some sense. You know, we're we're always only thinking about about the age to come in in our you know theological theological sort of uh, understanding of things, but we've got to use that to engage you know with something th- thoroughly uh, earthy and even secular and just this age and you know uh, everything that that uh, term secular implies in some sense. But um, you know, you don't want to approach it as a um, an expert. That's the thing. I don't even want to try and pretend to do that. But you know, then I, then I, that got me thinking: what what series of literature really invites invites someone to participate in the great conversation without being, you know, without being, you know, an expert on, let's say, uh, Shakespeare or Plato or whatever, and yet, you know. Calls for a conversation based on what they say, not not on your expertise of them, you know. So I, so I started to just think around that, and I've read a few books on that, and I thought, you know what? The, the more I'm reading it, the more I'm I'm seeing something come together. So I'm not quite there yet, but I think that um that that would be really cool if we could do something like that. that we can do
1: a pastor's reaction video. So pastors react to Shakespeare, pastors react
0: to <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you, know, you can't help but do that. But I think what it would, would end up being is, is just kind of a I mean, obviously, the pastor react slash the, the yeah. theological link thing is always going to be the part that I feel like I'm going to come in. And that's that's the lane, you know, I want to drive in. And yeah. that's that's, I suppose, where you want to weigh in. But but I think it's okay. I just want to encourage the fact that it's okay to just like not be a pro and yet have some thoughts about something. And, you know, it's probably helpful
1: for people to hear a pastor's ad hoc thoughts, the lenses that he would employ as he reacts to literature, images, worldviews, you know, whatever.
0: Right. And not only, not only a pastor, but a two age sojourning. Past it, right? Yep. This is kind of like, and what I mean by that, of course, is just our theological framework that we want to yeah. bring to the table, which does affect those sorts of things big time. Like common grace is huge, you know, yep. and it's a distinctive in in our system of understanding, and you know, it must, it must, it does help. It, it it's I, I just find it significantly helps all the time, and so I just want to, you know, I think we need to create some space on the podcast. So I'm thinking what what it end up might what we might end up doing at least is um you know maybe just trying to get back to like two episodes or maybe one you know alternate in in um you know every fortnight or something like that maybe not set ourselves up for complete failure, <laughs> for it, but but um you know just something like that where we're alternating or something and maybe maybe it even works that we could you know uh, you know i'll try and carry the burden in you and andrea can kind of you know alternate on those if you want if you don't feel like you want to jump in for both all the time or whatever but and, and it might even help our scheduling a little bit but um you know, something like that as we move forward would be good. And yet that allows us to retain some niche theological focus as well. Um, which, which I like doing, you know, I, but I don't want to end up being, you know, it's just like you end up, you want no to talk one a can copy
1: you when you don't know what you're doing.
0: <laughs> there we go. All right. So with that in place, how the heck are you?
1: Yeah. Doing well, man. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> just
1: humming along. So at the, at the moment, like more than half the church is down with COVID. So
0: really? Yeah. Wow. Our church is feeling well so far. we only got like one or two. So,
1: yeah. Oh. Uh, well, it's, it's just a matter of time. I mean, we've got, we've got uh, families with lots of kids and as soon as it gets into the school. So all the fam- all the big families with lots of kids, they've all been hit.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And so we basically had a ch- childless service on Sunday. It was amazing. Wow. It was so quiet <laughs>
0: and <Ryan> paid attention. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So all right. Well, what we want to, what I did want to do this evening is look at this book that I've been wanting to look at forever. And I just figure it's now or never. If you are watching the video, this is the book, All right? And I'll hold it up to the camera. It's Nehemiah Cox, John Owen, Covenant Theology from Adam to Christ, uh, edited by Ronald D. Miller, James M. Renihan, our dear Papa. And, uh, Francisco, whatever his surname is <laughs> <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, don't, you know, that saying, don't judge a book by its color. I mean, wow. You really have to apply that. Yeah. You've, uh, nice hardback, but, um, man, the thing is not pretty, the Kindle edition is uh, a lot nicer on they've done something nice nice to that cover there but anyway um what it what it contains is uh uh just kind of a reprint of um or just a compilation i suppose or, or just uh, i don't even know if if there is anything else with nehemiah cox probably not um and so obviously there's john owen's uh hebrews 8 treatment um but but i think what they wanted to do was put hebrews uh, at least sorry owen and the cox together Nehemiah Cox being quite an important uh, Reformed Baptist, particular Baptist figure, in the you know around the time of the Confession, and um, and then he was engaged with with uh, a lot of that debate with with um, well not 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 with Owen directly, but was working with Owen, and I think Owen just came just before him, and uh, there might have been contemporaries for a little bit there. Um, yeah, in fact, there would have been, but um, you know they there were just he was working. Uh, Nehemiah Cox was definitely working off of Owen. And uh wanting to engage with him. And so uh, from a reformed Baptist perspective, it makes a helpful little uh volume in that you just get to go and see them side by side and kind of see the relevant little bits there. Um, and uh so I thought, okay, cool, we've been talking about covenant theology a lot, we might not for a little while. So let's just quickly get this in there. It's also relevant in terms of the way it it's um, I mean, it it is probably the best, it is the most famous. I don't know, I'm just thinking sort of off the cuff now, but but it in terms of the hardcore sort of 1689 you know the guys that mm. I'm not talking like you got Bunyan and gill but they're, they're a little bit outside of the pale in terms of you know those 1689 hardcore guys um and i think this is this is the one they like benjamin keach thought this was the best you know and a lot of other uh reformed baptists just lifted this one up that this was the one you know they, they yeah. wanted you to read
1: and i mean nehemiah cox is thought to be Sort of one of the major voices in the 1677 or the what became 1689. Yeah, I believe he died before the 1689 came out, but he he was part of the 1677 redraft.
0: Man, that guy's such a interesting story. Do you know anything about him?
1: Well, there's a whole in the book. There's actually a, a biography.
0: Right. Yes, I didn't read it this time around, but yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I remember from um, one of the Rainians caught one of their lecture series, and I remember speaking, um, struck by his story i mean he what was the whole thing where he because basically he was at um john bunyan's church um he started out there and then he later went to the famous petty france church But, but while he was at i think when bunyan became a pastor he was around in that church he was like a gifted brother or something and he was like a he did his he did his doctorate in medicine you know so he was a medical doctor if i'm not mistaken and yeah, then that, and then sort yeah. of moved into ministry and he did i still remember like his um doctor was on arthritis <laughs> so he did his dissertation on arthritis um but yeah and then he became one of those high school guys like he got i think he got jailed you know the and the same reason Bunyan, you know with the whole um you need a license to preach and and he got jailed for preaching and uh wasn't he the guy that he had to plead is they said you let him go um, you know, we'll let you go if you can plead your case or something like that. And then he pleaded his case in in uh, Greek and Hebrew, you know, and no one could answer him. So they let him go, you know, that kind of sort of <laughs> embellished story. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, he was legit. He was a scholar. I mean, yeah, you know, for, for many different reasons, uh, a lot of Latin in his writing, he, he kind of flaunted that fact. Um, so, you know, he was up there with them. And I think they all pointed to him as one of the, I know, I know he, his dad, if I'm not mistaken, was, was a, like a big Oxford graduate. And then, you know, he would have been unable to go to Oxford because of all the stuff going on at the time. But his dad, I think taught him quite well. So Mm. I remember thinking, that's a little
1: biographical sketch is done by James Renihan. So it will Ah, be outstanding. Mm -hmm. It's called an excellent and judicious divine Nehemiah Cox by James M. Renihan. There we go. And it it was a great read.
0: Yes. I know. I I must must have been this. I think I read it I I think he published it somewhere else as well. And um yeah, I remember reading that and really enjoying it or, or or um hearing it and really enjoying it. So, it's just good to know a little bit about the guy. Um yeah. who is um you know, who who became so important on this work. Um there was that whole I'm just thinking about it now as well. You know, because if I'm not mistaken, you know, remember how Oren was involved with all that kind of like you know, there was that Parliamentary stuff going on, all their political <clears throat> unrest, and Oliver, Oliver Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell, uh, and Chapman, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So it had a. There was a similar sort of. Uh, I think it was because <clears throat> James ii who was the Roman Catholic guy, wanted to become. um You know, he was he was impo- he was uh, approaching becoming king, and they didn't want that, so they they all like rallied together. And I remember the Reformed Baptists. I remember thinking this is a lesson for Reformed Baptists getting involved in politics because they got involved in that uh, rebellion. And then the guy who rebelled against um, uh, James II becoming king, uh, eventually, he's the guy that got executed. They always tell his story, you know, where, where they um, they tried to cut his head off and it didn't work. And so they ended up having to sever his head off, you know, with a knife, you know, because <laughs> it wasn't chopping. <laughs> and it was like one of the most gory, renowned, you know, gone wrong executions. And uh, and many of the, the Reformed Baptists were involved with that guy and um and so it ended up being a a bit of a a mess but it but james ii is the guy who issued the the edict of toleration or the the
1: declaration
0: i think it was james if i'm not mistaken i'm not don't at all hold me to that i'm totally shooting (laughs) out of hip, but i'm pretty sure it was james and um and uh and well it might have been charles now i don't know no james that's how bad i am with history but anyway um and and the whole but the 1689 is of course the big thing that came out of that the um you know the 1687 declaration and then and then it basically he lifted the ban You didn't get jailed anymore so that was um that was his situation you know that was that was that was the time in which he wrote and um just just you know kind of unrelated to what we'll talk about tonight but it's just pretty cool those guys had a all had some amazing stories yeah and um so i'm know, busy hardcore. i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna i'm starting a series on 1689 in the evening okay. service so uh, i'm busy reading up on history at the moment busy reading this Fesco the theology of the Westminster Ooh, standards as part wow. of my prep
0: that'd be a goodie yeah. that'd be a goodie nice oh man that, that would be a good one for us to go through well you no know, we <laughs> should you know what we should do we should start it
1: <laughs> as we yeah. have done with many great books <laughs> we are here finishing. to help you start books by the it's way your on job, that point, it's your job to finish them
0: uh, on that point that we're just going to set the playing field now we're not going to finish this one okay not because we're not. Trying, but I only want the Cox part. I don't really want the iron part. You know, we can come back to own later, like some other time. But I just want to look at that first bit. So that's the only place cool. I know to get it. Um okay. Then um with that in mind, let's just jump in and just talk about a little bit. Wait, what do we think about it? What did he say? Because we right. both, well, both let's read start it.
1: with the title because I think it really helps define the area that he's covering
0: yes yes so he true. calls
1: it a discourse of the covenants that god made with men before the law yeah so we're looking at from adam to moses basically mm-hmm. and it's a subheading as with all pure in books yep. wherein the covenant of circumcision is more largely handled and the invalidity of the plea for peter baptism taken from there discovered
0: yes uh-huh it's like the whole book <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean uh, so I don't know if you had any initial thoughts, just um, just knee jerk before we get into it.
1: Um, I mean, it's mixed. I had some, uh, I found it delightful at times. Yeah. And I found it frustrating at times. Yeah. So it, that's, it's pretty, that's a good way to sum it
0: up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, what I liked about it, and I know he's famous for this as well. This is one of the things is that, you know, it, it was just, I think a lot more exegetical than most of what was out there at the time, you know, you had these polemics yeah happening everyone's just kind of throwing bombs on each other from their dogmatics and systems and he's coming at this thing with this you know really you know good close to the text exegesis and um and then you know i suppose in terms of the way he's framing it in covenant theology it's quite developed you know it's really it's a full system so in that sense it's um you know it's it's one of the key works you got to read it i think it's good yeah
1: so i mean maybe just as a as a starting comment i think what i would say is that it's orthodox Yep. you know as you Started. as yep. you get into it um you feel like it's safe you feel like he's it's not heretical yep. you feel like he's handling the most important distinctions between the law and the gospel very 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 well and very definitely carefully. getting
0: law and gospel right for sure absolutely yep. Yep. and
1: so as you as you come into it you just feel like okay this man's not going to stuff around with the gospel
0: yes yes <laughs> and
1: i feel safe you know so you could so,
0: you potentially err on the side of like you know this or that but it's not yes. going to be on the side of that whole sp- the gospel thing you know yeah exactly um, i mean yeah. and it's you know i just i just
1: and, and the parts that are reveled in we you know where he he just begins to open up uh the forensic nature of justification you know the yes. covenantal nature of justification yes. you know the necessity yeah. of a federal head i mean just all the doctrines that we know are yeah. fundamental Yep. to the gospel. They are just, it's its as if you're reading one of our confessions or John Owen or justification. It's just, it's just all there.
0: Yeah. On the negative side with that, I mean, it is like reading John Owen. It was difficult. <laughs> I found it difficult. It was a difficult read, you know, it just um yeah. it's not easy. It's not accessible. He's, I don't know. He's just doing that thing that they always do, you know, you know, that thing. The John Owen thing, where he's just like, What are you doing exactly? Why are you saying that? It's such a pedantic, yeah. yeah, pedantic, <laughs> obscure sort of like process of, uh, you know, maybe it is the Latin thing. I don't know. But, yeah. but yeah, so it's not an easy read. And that's kind of unfortunate um, because, yeah, it's worth reading, you know, but it's just yeah. like, dude, you've got to put some time away and get it done. Um, all right. So, in terms of what they've, I don't know if you saw that outline, um, the Appendix one. Uh, in the I didn't book.
1: Actually, no, I didn't.
0: Okay. It's got a really helpful. I actually relied on this when I was going through the, the, the whole thing, because it, it sort of helps you just, I found just on that previous point, he's quite pedantic and goes into like extreme detail on some really weird points. And, um, and so you kind of get lost, but in appendix one, um, right at the end of the book there, you, you have a really cool outline. Don't know who did it, but um just running through that very, very briefly. Um, chapter one is uh, all about, the general sort of covenant setup, just the the covenant relationships to God in general, and I think with that, it's just a good as you were saying there. It's just safe, it's good, it's solid, it's sort of basically in line with the Reformed tradition. Nothing too shocking awe there. So yeah. you know, we're we're basically, and I think that was probably purposeful too. Just saying, I'm in line with Owen, I'm in line with the Reformed tradition, and yeah. you know, I want to be seen as a covenant theologian within the tradition who's you know arguing for some uh, angle here. And um, maybe or,
1: just to to because the parts that I really delighted in. Yeah, as he sets up the whole notion of a okay, let's speak about covenant generally. know, I felt that he actually guarded his speech. He would talk about the kindness and condescension of yeah, God. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, in his yeah, language. Yeah. Yes. And then he would even talk about, um you know, when you fulfill a covenant of works, it's not a debt of merit, yes, but it's for,
0: pactum merit. Pactum, yeah, totally. He went all the yeah, way. So, on that, I think he was, um, from my reading of Owen, I mean, it's exactly the same. He's basically going, yeah. I-, I echo Owen on all those points, unless yeah. I've missed Owen on something like that. But, um, yeah. yeah so from a
1: Kleinian perspective, you know, if you if you're sensitive to the demerited yeah. favor of God and all the discussions yeah. around shepherdism, and you pick that up, you go, oh, I feel yeah. I feel like
0: at home. And it's good to read. It's good to feel that level of sensitivity back in that day. Exactly. You know, it's, there um, is
1: historical precedent. We're not novel. You know, we get made to feel like aliens, or we're just these greasy grey guys. We're just yeah. antinomian, yeah. and you realize that this theology is definitely out there
0: yeah and and, you know even as that leads into the 1699 federalism thing you know i think that's a helpful point for well for me personally is just to know you know i like erring on that side of things because it that's the way it tends to err you know it tends to just be overly sensitive to these things and and um you know it just sets it up well and that's fine you know obviously i'm just you know being arrogant and saying it errs at all but (laughs) but you know it's just that's kind of a helpful point for me um it, it just yeah, it's just so much of what you read in that period just does not give a rip about those sorts of things, and just smoothes right over it and ends up in real trouble with all just a functional monocovenantalism. So um, you know what that what he's fighting against. I you know I fight against too, and I think Kleinians do, and yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, general introduction was really just standard and good and uh, sensitive, and um, yeah, I mean probably you know I wouldn't have said the things the way he said them, you know, just on those points probably i would have been a bit sharper but i like you know the point you're bringing out here is important in that ultimately it's not moving into any trouble uh by the way he's setting up so that's good then uh he goes on to directly to talk about adam in chapter two um and yeah it's just a strong covenant of works you know very good um more of what you were saying there and, and and just um yeah just getting just laying a nice solid foundation the covenant of works is is real for cox that's good chapter three the covenant of noah was probably the weakest chapter for me in terms of just i just found it so ironic that just to let people know what was happening um he was basically you know it was kind of typology was the big thing yeah god god makes this um covenant with noah and then it ends up being this massive type thing in the ark obviously and then you know uh, on we go but then he goes straight into like the common grace covenant with no distinction and then it sense of like this really weird principle of like you know your your posterity you know because you're connected to Noah, you have access to this covenant and it's kind of like a, what are you doing i remember yeah. thinking scratching my head on that one and um and thinking the irony is profound yeah yeah you have all this exegetical like you have every reason to distinguish between the covenant with noah and then the common grace covenant after the flood really that's where you get to make a, a clear distinction but he yes. just sm- smashes that all together and yeah. then we go on to Abraham and then he's finding the most minute distinctions to make and obviously <laughs> it, it betrays his you know his point he's not he doesn't care about he wants to get to Abraham it's all background to Abraham yeah. but um, yeah it's just yeah it's so sort he, of lacked
1: like, the, he lacked the nuance that uh, I guess modern covenant theology or good modern covenant theology has that there's two covenants in noah
0: yeah. And I think You've you will got, get yourself into trouble if you follow him on uh, on, yeah. on that chapter.
1: But he just um, looks at two aspects of the single covenant. You've got to recognize that there are two distinct covenantal things going on there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we'll read that charitably because you know, you understand what it's like. Exactly. I he mean, he just wants he, to, he wants to get where he's going. So, yeah, and, he's and, just,
1: and, and, and I had to read it humbly just appreciating how well he had done so early on. Yes. And here I am in my position standing on the head, the shoulders of giants, pretending that I know better than him. And exactly. I probably couldn't have written that book then at the time.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, you no, know. that's true. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and even with the smishing it all together, I mean, it doesn't say anything overtly, you know, theonomic no. or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, so it's all good. Uh, but I think the big thing that was a setup for the next chapter was the type and shadow typology thing it becomes very important in the way that he deals with, um, you know, the, the mosaic covenant and so forth. So chapter four is really where it kicks off, I think, and that is the covenant of grace revealed to Abraham. Um, And actually, there was a little uh, typo, I found it in the print, hang on, Uh, chapter, put a bookmark here, right in chapter four, um, I was reading it, and it said, uh, it it may be noted also in the first paragraph in chapter four, so it's my uh, page 71, Uh, it it may be noted also that abraham is the first man in the world no sorry the covenant of grace made with abraham was not the same for substance that had been more darkly revealed in the ages before
1: yeah i've got that underlined in red
0: yeah so i went to go check out my my notes on that one and i remember running hand said that's a mistake (laughs) wow yeah that's not meant to be there that's actually uh, it's not that it was not it was the same that's like contrary to his whole that's
1: that's like basically (laughs) That's the most important, night in the I whole know. history of Baptist theology. I
0: know. Right there. I know. It was so funny. I was like, whoa, 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 I've dealt with this before. Hang on. So yeah. Anyways, if wow, you are going to read this for, book, thanks
1: for setting that straight. Cause that was like my, I was going to nail him. I was going to say, this is dispensational.
0: <laughs> totally. totally. This is, this is the part that frustrated me. That'd be a shocker. Yeah, exactly. So that was a bit of a, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, So and that's talking about all the way from Adam, you know, up until that point and then of course what he's going to do and so you definitely want to say that there is a there is a connection in terms of at least what was revealed you know even if we're not getting down the administration language and you know that sort of thing at least there was the same covenant of grace that was revealed to adam revealed all the way through noah to that point uh certainly um obviously you know what he's he's gonna argue for this um and this is kind of where we get into it i think uh that this whole um there are all these the way you approach the 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 covenant with Abraham is that Genesis 12 is like, yeah, totally, all systems go revelation of the covenant of grace, not quite the administration, I didn't know what to make of him there. But but sort of just just more like, you know, standard nine fed, I think probably makes better sense of what he was saying there. But contrary to what I hear most uh, nine feds say he was, he was then um, trying to say that that's different from you know uh, genesis 15 genesis or maybe i forgot what he said about genesis 15 but genesis 17 certainly and then what is it uh 21 what's the 22-ish. 22 right 22 where, where he has to do that big you know thing uh, after isaac and um and then he wants to say that those are 100 percent part of this unfolding covenant of works at that point so that's not yeah. the covenant of grace and he's got this interesting timeline like you know i didn't i might have got him wrong so let me let me run what i what i picked up with you and you tell me if you, you read the same thing just kind of saying okay well you've got you've got this whole you know in galatians paul says um the law was revealed 430 years after the promise right yeah. So and and that's an important text. And he rightly goes there and wrestles with uh, actually, I was like, I was super excited when, when I saw that, because that's the one like, that's what they have to wrestle with. Yeah. But man alive, what a what a downer, you know, because <laughs> he basically, he basically says, well, he's got he's got the um uh oh, man, I should have brushed up on the dates here. But it was something something like you've got 400 years in Egyptian slavery or something. And then you've got this extra 30 years that he's pulling out of somewhere. And that yeah. somehow just doesn't work to to pin down genesis 17 or 22 as a promise can't be talking about that because it's not enough i don't know is that is that off base or what? yeah that- I,
1: I just i, I remember i'm going into the timelines i'm like i'm not seeing a graph here i'm just gonna like read over that you know so I didn't yeah i try and yeah didn't try and make too much of it
0: i mean i didn't yeah i must a bit i didn't quite check with what he was saying there but i think i think so, so anyways, what I wanted to say is, here's, here's my bottom line. My, my pushback was my difficulty, should I say, but this is probably based on me understanding it incorrectly. So let me say that up front. Um, if anyone else has a better understanding of this, feel free to let us know, yeah, chip in, but, um, it feels like he was trying to get Paul to say, um, the law was really revealed 30 years after the promise, you know, um, and, and you not 430 years. That's what I couldn't square because he was trying to get to say trying to trying to get um, uh, Genesis to, to go from the promise being revealed in Genesis 12. And then however many years later, like 30 or whatever it was until you get to um, Genesis 17 or 22, that that's where the law is revealed. And yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it just doesn't make then sense add 400
1: to me. and you get to Moses. So, and then, so, yes,
0: which yeah. is really what he's predicating his whole argument on. I mean, the whole thing from that yeah. point is based on the I mean, of...
1: Could I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my impression. I'm not a Cox expert. This is the first time I've done a reading through it. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of various arguments around covenant theology. And as I was reading through it, a couple of things just stood out for me. One of the things I realized while he was writing is that it's a very polemical book. He had a very particular man and a very particular argument in mind. Yes. So he had a very small target.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so everything that he was saying was addressing a very particular target. And Mm -hmm. so everything was serving a very specific purpose. And so sometimes you had to try and through the footnotes, try and work out who the guy was that he was addressing. Yeah. Can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, It it was referenced several times.
0: Yes. Yes. I know you're talking about it.
1: um a particular target had a, a, a very extreme form of Peter Baptist theology that we, I don't think we would find a lot of today. Right.
0: You mean on the one substance thing?
1: Well, there was basically that as soon as someone is circumcised, they're full participants
0: in the covenant. Of yeah, that, Yeah, totally.
1: That seemed to be the target that he was trying to hit all the time right and so you try to destroy that target by absolutely separating circumcision from the covenant of grace yes and then so what he would do is he would use the argument of typology and he would basically he he made it he, he just to, the thoughts that i had at the time was he was making a typological argument but he wasn't but he wasn't allowing it to be a sacrament and so if he had just allowed the type to serve as a sacrament he could have taken a very different route
0: but yeah 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 exactly I think that it was just playing on what we know as the, the kind of uh, you know the classic um, one substance two administration view. But yeah, in its old school form and its sort of John Ball, kind of you know no don't mess around. You know, if if they're getting circumcised, they're in the covenant of grace in uh yeah. you know, in every uh, way, shape, and form. And so there was no nuance or anything like that. Um, and it, it just. So I, I suppose the problem, you know, I, I think one of the things for me, it's just like, it left me thinking, okay, well, I've got a real problem with everything that I was saying there in terms of, I, well, I just, I need to look at that further. Let, let me put it that way. I just don't know how that timeline thing can even work, to be honest. Um, but then the other thing, I suppose, is that I, um, it's like, I felt that what what it was really, <sighs> it almost was really winsome to me i just want to put this right like i was really appreciating it's like I, I i feel like he's making a really good argument in that that he's seeing something develop uh in abraham that obviously leads to the law and the type and the substance are obviously uh, the type in the shadow at least type and anti-type i are can are obviously connected um and connected in a very certain way that you can't mess around with you can't you know you can't just start saying the shadow is the substance substance is that is the shadow you have to keep them you have to know how they work together and uh and so he's he's seeing the, the the whole thing point to christ the whole way through he's seeing something begin with abraham which i think we all agree with and i wanted to just keep saying that's what I mean by typological administration, you know, of yes. the covenant Amen. of grace. That's like all I you, wanted to say the whole time. <laughs>
1: you've got a category to, to 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 take hold of that. Exactly. So I was just
0: like, well, why would he do that? Why what's the problem? You know, what's the what's the issue? And, and like you were saying there, I think the thing was he was just trying to just kick it right out of the he just didn't want circumcision in there at all.
1: Yes. Um so so as I was reading it, I think for me the the penny dropped. Sort of the, I I got a better picture of his theology when he started handling Romans four verse eleven. Yeah. So at the point at which circumcision was introduced, so he was he would look at the promise made to Abraham. Yeah. He made a big spiel about how we are the children of Abraham because the seed is Christ, and so basically, the promise is pointing right forward to the new covenant and its blessings.
0: Yeah.
1: And then as soon as circumcision comes in, it's almost as if. All of those promises that were given to Abraham can only you go sort of, they have to jump over Moses Mm, mm. and land on the new covenant people. Mm. And so suddenly there's like a wall where as soon as circumcision begins, there's a wall. And instead of allowing circumcision to be a sign and and seal, which acts in a sacramental way, Mm -hmm. you know, communicating through types and shadows, the grace of the covenant works to the people Mm. who had faith the elect. Mm -hmm. You know, he basically said, the promises can only be speaking of new covenant blessings mm. and therefore circumcision bars the way to mm. to 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 the promises given to abraham to to come to be fulfilled in the most in in after any legal aspect has been introduced yeah 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 totally so
0: on that point and i
1: felt that man that was such a harsh break that, yeah that that you didn't need to make that break
0: yeah you didn't yeah exactly now just to try and you know again be as charitable as possible and try and push into what he was saying there and and um and or you know just let it win me over i would I, I did feel i did feel like you know if i was to be really honest you know just in the way that he was dealing with um let's so those those demands the the reality you know basically arguing that hey you've got the stipulated reality um do this and live you know which is coming through and it, by the time you get to genesis 22 it's like there it is you know yeah. uh you've got to do this otherwise you're no longer part of this covenant you will die you know he's he's saying look at all this language it's kind of echoing the covenant of works thing how can we deny that this is part of a covenant of works so i did feel like you know you've got that versus my typical approach which would be to go well you know it's just it's it's sort of preempting it's it's a typological administration preempting what we know to be evangelical obedience you know like you, you must respond <laughs> you respond to grace by doing works otherwise yes. you otherwise there's no grace at all it's no you know there is that that reality but i don't really like that response to be honest i i don't like what i, I feel like I'm not quite doing justice to to the level of severity going on in the, in the passage there like you will be cut off from the covenant there's something like yeah. covenant of works it's you know, and I, I really kind of want to be won over by that point, because it, it just, I feel like it's a little bit more satisfying, you know, yeah. but it's just, yeah. It, I just, I just have no way to do it. That's the problem. He's left me with, uh, like, I just, you know, how does that timeline thing work? So he left, he, how... he, he,
1: he only gives you an either or option, not a both end.
0: I suppose, I suppose. Yeah. And that's the thing. Client comes along and gives you a both end, you know, he, yeah. he shows you look, keep the layers separate in terms of yep. work. Subservient and... covenant. Yeah.
1: See, because I mean, it's you know, just reading uh, uh, Fesco on the theology of the Westminster standards. One of the things that he highlights is just in terms of Reformed Catholicity, is at the time the standards were being written, there were five schools of thought yeah. on how to account for the legal aspect uh, in the Mosaic Covenant. Yeah. And, and I think. as as you recognize all of that, and as you solve that problem, what I do is I basically look at the the problem of the legal aspect in the Mosaic covenant. And then there is an organic connection between Abraham and Moses. Yeah, that doesn't deny that Abraham is part of the covenant of grace, right? That there's there's a a nascent, there's a seed, legal aspect that's introduced at the point of circumcision, because circumcision is that which closes in the seed of Abraham, the bloodline Mm -hmm. of Abraham, Mm -hmm. until Christ comes, who's also circumcised under the law right and so there is a necessary preamble a prelude yeah to to win the nation as she enters into a covenant as a nation there's there's the family that becomes the nation that also falls under a, a mini legal aspect
0: yeah yeah and
1: so i'm just happy to sort of transfer re, read back the yeah. same principles
0: yeah. totally yeah and and you know and that's what i mean i suppose by a typological administration of the covenant of grace there's something going on that's not denying that a typology yeah. is unfolding but it's it's like, and it, it's not the it's not the full-flowered expression of the administration of the covenant of grace you find in the new covenant, you know, uh, which which itself is still not the covenant of redemption. And oh, by the way, we should mention that he did make a distinction, which I was kind of worried about a little bit, but I, I was happy with the way he made a distinction between the covenant of redemption and covenant of grace and all that. So he did set it up, you know, which is kind of an important thing for Baptists to just keep their eye on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, coming back to this issue. I just kept on you know thinking why can't i just jump in with what this guy's saying right now why can't i just go along with him at this point and i think what i just kept on coming back to is it sounds like a little bit of an old story for me but i was just like look paul does say that something happens 430 years later that is antithetical to the thing that happens with abraham and you know you just like you're really on sort of thin exegetical ground when you're trying to like divide Abraham up into 50 million slices there um, you know when that's not the way Paul does it you guys I mean he's clearly not thinking about anything related to Abraham when he's talking about this thing called the law which is antithetical so sure circumcision is introduced but it only hits its thing it only hits the issue of the covenant of circumcision as it speaks of the law by the time you get to Moses yeah, yeah,
1: and I mean that contrast is real, and it's true, and there is a contrast between Abraham and Moses, and there's a legal aspect introduced at the point of circumcision. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've got categories that absorb. Yeah. The, that that because because the Lord's doing more than one thing through Abraham. Yeah, you know, he's doing more than one thing at a time and so there's an anticipation of a development as it leads towards israel but there's also an anticipation of christ himself who is who who will bring in the new covenant and so so you see both like klein tells us
0: yeah
1: going side by side yeah exactly
0: and and i think once you've got man klein was just amazing in terms of showing how that you know you you don't have to sacrifice any of that works that you're the severity of the works at the typological level I mean you're seeing something that's pointing to Christ and the covenant of works and the covenant of redemption and you know you're seeing the engine of it all at those points Uh, you don't have to deny that far from it you know you're seeing the very grounds for grace at those points but you just got to understand that they're working at two different levels uh two different cake layers and um and and you just got to make sure not to conflate them and yeah. and that has its own dynamic as you go through and uh it's unique covenantal arrangement in the mosaic covenant but the, the two levels kind of stay there all the way through the old testament so um yeah, uh, yeah i mean uh, so what can we say i mean read this have a look uh but yeah exactly. it's not gonna it's not gonna take over from Klein, i don't think
1: no, I mean it's just in terms of its covenantal structure. I didn't feel like it. 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 It was, it was. It was. too polarized. It just didn't have enough nuance. Yeah. Yeah. And but it did still have some other good exegetical points. You know, he he did draw out the fact that not all the seed of Abraham were circumcised. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, all
0: that stuff we like to talk about. All, yeah, the, so... all the Baptist. Yeah. The little, yeah. The little,
1: the little Baptist tweets on 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 how <laughs> little... circumcision can't be applied. Copy and pasted. Yeah. The type shadow admitted. stuff. well
0: and you know and that's the thing like if i I found myself the whole way through going every it's really so this is the reason i should read more of this kind of literature is because they they developed that all the stuff i want to say about the type and shadow relationship in the mosaic covenant they're saying the same thing, anyway. It's just maybe they're applying it a little too soon for me, or they're, you know, they're they're sort of not quite in my system when they're saying it. But the points they're bringing out are like absolutely the points I want to bring out when it comes to the, the 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 land of Canaan and the typological realm and the, you know, and 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 all of those things related to um, the way that God pointed to the substance. So, yeah. you know, they're really profound. I mean, they've really worked hard on that. So probably more than most because of this issue of baptism, they wanted yeah. to, they wanted to work at it. And, Someone uh, asked
1: me the other day, you know, what, what are the books that made you a Baptist? And I thought it's the Presbyterian books. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Well, maybe, this maybe... Goes word, water, spirit. It's when I, it's when I see their very, 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 very best, most rigorous, best arguments presented yeah. nothing i would count fesco as probably the best thing that i've ever read on peter baptism for sure For sure. And we've we've spent a lot of time in his work yes and then you realize oh is that it
0: <laughs> yeah oh,
1: but but there's this and then it just, <laughs> just cut straight through <laughs> <laughs> yeah not I to mean, sound trite or anything like that yeah that, well know, i mean
0: it's it's probably you know i think what what peter baptist would say to us you know, in my conversations, is that we're being a little simplistic at that point. We're just kind of, we're you know, either being a little overly, uh, you know, uh, what is the word, uh, over-realized eschatology or something. We're just not being quite nuanced and bringing some other categories to bear as we go, and um, and and that may be true. I don't know, but but for me, it does seem very very clear that this, especially when you get down to that biblical theological stuff, it's just you got this unbelievable flow, uh, you know, of of that just comes to full flower and and all that t- all the scaffolding drops you know and it's and it's not saying that we're in heaven already and all that stuff and you know we do of course understand that we're still in this age but but in terms of administration in terms of the way we go about setting things up now to the best of our ability there is we're modeling it off of New Jerusalem not not yeah. Old not Jerusalem yeah
1: <clears throat> But I think um, just just some of the instincts that I think Nehemiah Cox has that are correct is I mean he he does draw very strongly on typology, and when yes. I go to Abraham and I see Abraham as a federal a federal head, that's it's it's in his type as a federal head. Yes. You know, understanding the the the, the typological principle of a federal head, a man and his offspring, mm. that that follows through, which is and if you actually if you actually compare the structure of a man and endless descendants. Mm versus a father and first-generation children. That's That doesn't correspond, but this is the Old Testament way in which circumcision is applied. And this is the New Testament way in which Peter Baptist want to apply baptism. Yeah. And I'm going, hang on. But if you understand typology and, and, and the federal principle that's being typed through Abraham in his relationship to all of his offspring, Yes. you can see that- It's amazing, yeah. You can't use this as a mold. You can't use this as a, a principle. And so then Klein is the best answer to that clients like well there's actually yeah. just a family thing that God's all about yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you can dismantle that and then you're like okay they're left with
0: nothing so <laughs> <laughs> you mean oh, you mean his argument yeah yeah um but what I was going to say about that as well did you um did you see yeah he didn't it's almost like he did not want to allow Abraham to be any kind of mediator of any kind of covenant um you know he he just you know I I, I didn't even see him allow for that I might have um you know i'm not overly confident on that point but it felt like he wanted to just go the only the only covenant mediator is christ yeah um and you know that's why you know basically you can only say that the covenant was revealed and not in any way administered because christ is the covenant mediator but you know we're you know i'm seeing that that there is a a kind of um uh, this 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 type of christ who is mediating it's a covenant of grace, do you know, has to be. It has to be, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he would deny all of that. I'm not quite sure, but you know, there was, it's, that was a missing link there for yeah, me, yeah. Well. And that's,
1: and so other legal aspects that come in because Abraham is righteous. Yes, you know, there's, there's Abraham's righteousness, which is often comment, commented on, and if you have a, a harsh law gospel distinction, but you don't have a typological aspect that accounts for legal and forensic realities like Abraham's righteousness, which, which gets him stuff sometimes. Mm. You know, you you don't have categories to absorb that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
1: then you so what you do is you try and restructure all covenants to be glossful. Yes. Instead of saying there's a typological legal aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that gives you gives you somewhere to slot everything in.
0: Yeah. For sure. One hundred percent Okay. Well, there we go. I mean, and then he keeps going, uh, you know, it, it, the rest is kind of like more of the same in terms of yeah. you know once you get what we we're talking about there i mean there are i think probably the best way to sum up the rest of it for me um just without going you know ad nauseum through the outline here it's just that it's worth reading for all the many insights that you definitely as a baptist can glean no matter what system you're ultimately adhering to you um but but ultimately, not not fundamentally winsome in terms of arguing for this kind of version of i suppose we could call it 1689 federalism um that yeah. he wants to ultimately advocate in in contrast to uh, or just in interaction with Owen in contrast to some other pedo um so yeah that's I'm, I'm i'm good to leave it at that cool yeah i mean it's very appreciative thought it was a
1: you know it's definitely something to as a baptist to dig into mm-hmm. but um yeah just just there are there are other ways of accounting for circumcision as a typological administration of the covenant of grace which he doesn't allow for
0: yeah um, so what would be really cool is to just just do one or two of these like i don't want to um, i don't want to go full on historical baptist guy but you know like maybe just one on uh i don't know like john bunyan and, and maybe gill as well just something like that like we could just look at that little section in in his systematic theology and just kind of, you know, it's not quite as long a read, but it'd be nice just to have a little bit more of this as we uh, trace through, because we don't do enough yeah. for Baptist uh, covenant theology, but, but, you know, I think part of the problem for us and the reason we don't, maybe it's worth saying, it's just like, it's, it's just not, you know, it's sort of like going, it doesn't feel like you're achieving much, I suppose. Um, that's, that's what I'm always left with. I'd rather <laughs> invest the time in good Current biblical theology, to be honest, yeah. that's where I keep so it. Let,
1: let me just read you a quote that sits very unwell with me. Okay. It's from page 85 in the PDF. It's at the end of uh, chapter five, the last paragraph in chapter five. So he says So we conclude the carnal seed of Abraham could not claim a right in the spiritual and eternal blessings yeah, of yeah, the I new remember. covenant. Yes as such because of their interest in the covenant of circumcision. So as soon as you're in the covenant of circumcision, you can have no interest in the spiritual and eternal blessings of the new covenant. That's an either or scenario. Instead of seeing circumcision as a sacrament yeah, exactly. that preaches to you of the faith of Abraham by which he was declared righteous, where you as an elect person through the visible word of your own circumcision can yeah, yeah, yeah get the the new covenant blessing through so now, I, 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 yeah that, no, that, I that's, that's the la- so that now language is,
0: it's i don't know if he means that but
1: it's terrible
0: language exactly well i I think for where i got to eventually was like he can't mean that i think what he meant i think what he meant was that you've got no direct um, access via the shadowy covenant you know so it's not like yeah. you by virtue of your participation in the shadow have participation in the substance so you didn't want to see a one-for-one connection there i yeah i can't see him denying i'm pretty sure we could kind of look for something that he would even yeah. just the idea that the covenant would be revealed through the shadows i think is enough to say that they they had access to this to this reality of the covenant of grace but yeah it's just it's a it's just too there's no that sacramental reality is has got yeah you know? but then here's then, here's how
1: he puts it positively so he's 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 stated the negative yeah he's got no association with eternal and the new covenant blessings yeah yet here's the positive the privileges and advantages in their church state referring to the nation of israel yeah yeah. though immediately consistent in things outward and typical were of far greater value and use than any mere worldly or earthly blessing Mm. so they're better than earthly blessing this was because they gave them uh, they they that these benefits gave them a choice means of the knowledge of god and set them nearer to him than any other nation in the world but it's, that language just seems to yeah, so, it fall so far short of yeah. the because the, I mean, we, we would recognize that the eschatological spirit was regenerating sinners in the Old Testament, the eschatological yeah. spirit was sanctifying sinners in the Old Testament. In profound ways. And he ways. was doing this through the audible and visible word, through yeah. the promises, the types yeah. and the shadows. Yeah. And there's just no, it's just maybe, maybe he doesn't have a, a concept of a means of grace. And that's what's well, well, and
0: you know, interesting that you say that because that's what it fundamentally boils down to. You know, like what are the means of grace administered? How yeah. is the covenant of grace administered through the means? You know, and the means at this point, you know, we're arguing is there is a covenantal means and it has sacramental yeah. realities to it and it's part of the. So there's just such a close connection. The type, sure, the type and shadow thing exists, but you know, the type and the shadow. It's like the the type is is bringing the actual substance to bear if apprehended correctly you know so it's just there it's right there it's like it's like we would think about the Lord's supper in some sense i don't want to push that too far but you know there is a a true administration it just seems to capture it well you know and and that i think is quite an important point because what is the what is the value in this big debate over the word administration of the covenant of grace you know if even if we're all in agreement that there is uh you know different administrations um is it worth is it helpful to push the language i know sam renian often often asks that question is it is it helpful to push the language of administration in the old testament of the covenant of grace isn't it better to think about it as just simply revealed or something you know through the types and i you know i think because of that issue of the means of grace and this yeah. close connection and the, the the highlighting of the profound way in which god was working through his people at the time, not just, not just in a disconnected, you know, wow, well, look at the big picture for everyone else to see, but, but there was a thing for them to see that was um, important as well. And um, yeah, I, I just feel like you lose that immediately. When you, when yeah. you start, to, you, you almost, you get to a kind of functional dispensationalism, if if not yeah. an actual one. Yeah. So
1: it just feels like he's not working with all the
0: pieces to me. Like
1: yeah. There were just, there are categories. He's not allowing to answer the problems. Yeah.
0: Yeah exactly all righty there we go hopefully that's helpful um hopefully we haven't decided you go by the so book for all store. of you people who
1: know who nehemiah cox is and who care about what he said now you have our opinion for what they're worth on yeah. what he has said
0: our niche on this show is is plenty <laughs> reform baptist everyone cares about this, bro. this is we, are, stuff.
1: we are we are we are niche in the niche
0: <laughs> we are a <clears up throat> in the ocean
1: yeah and for the no. americans what we mean is we're the niche in the niche
0: <laughs> the niche in the niche <laughs> the stitch in the niche all right cool um here we go well hopefully we'll see you sooner then uh, another two month three month period um and uh yeah we'll get back i don't know what we'll talk about next but we'll we'll be back um That's good good thanks nick appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers,